Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Goat Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Welcome back, Lab Code Nation, to another episode of the Lab Code Agents podcast. And uh, I'm pretty stoked for this one uh, because uh, we get to talk to a professional athlete today. Well, or ex-professional athlete. But if you know me, you know my backdrop drop is, uh, is, is a bunch of baseball stuff. And if you know me, you know I'm just a, a geek for sports. So uh, I'm going to try not to bore the audience who's not into sports with sports talk. Uh, because this particular gentleman has since vacated sports, now has written a book called Strike Three, and is created a very successful career in real estate, among several other things, and now has gotten to the point where he's sharing this message with all sorts of audiences, not just athletes. So with that, welcome to the show, Josh Kalinowski, my friend. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be talking with you guys. Likewise, man. So here's the obvious question. Tell us your story. Let's let's hear about it. Let's hear what what baseball did to you and, and kind of what led you to where you are today. You bet, man. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, a kid that grew up just loving athletics. I love sports. And as soon as I was able to walk or barely walk, I was either swinging a bat, throwing a ball or kicking something. And so uh, I grew up in that atmosphere. One of my heroes was Bo Jackson. I wanted to be a multi-athlete, right? I wanted to play football professionally and baseball. And then as I grew up, I really found that I had a, um, a talent as a left-handed pitcher to go into that next level of success with, uh, with baseball. And so I got to, I got to chase that dream. Um, so I was drafted out of high school here in a small uh, town called Casper, Wyoming. That was a big fish in a small town. I went and played junior college baseball and then got drafted again by the Colorado Rockies, which to me, they were the New York Yankees, brother, or they were the St. Louis Cardinals for you. Right. Yeah. And so that was a dream come true. And that, and that was my vision. Like I knew from a very early age, like this is what God intended me to do. Like I had that vision of the rest of my life. I knew why I was created and I knew my purpose. And so I got to chase that for many years. Uh, and then unfortunately at the age of 26, after a number of surgeries, I came to this realization that well, maybe that wasn't the purpose. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. And so unfortunately, um, with that, with a choice that I made, but not really participating in, I, I chose to retire from the game and, uh, and I was completely lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uneducated, 26 years old. And, and you know about sports is, um, you know, anytime you're in the 20, in your 20s, you're already an old man. You're a veteran. And by the time you get to 30, you're thinking about retirement. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not the reality of the real world, but in the sports world, it truly is. And so my mindset was already there. 26 years old, I was behind the eight ball. Um, I did have money to go back to college, but in my mind, I'm like, 
I got to start it. I got to start my career. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, luckily my father was a builder, had been a builder for a number of years. And he's like, Hey, you should come back and sell my houses. And the last place I wanted to go was home, right? Home of well, all these people that expected me to be in the big leagues. Everybody expected me to, to be the next uh, Tom Browning uh, in, in my hometown. And uh, so I had to tuck my tail between my legs because I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. And so I came home, I got into real estate because I did not want to pound nails the rest of my life. I didn't want to be a contractor like my dad because I knew how hard it was. So I got in the industry. I mean, talk about perfect timing. 2006, I get my license. And for all those who have been in this industry for a longer a number of years, you know, like if there's one time to get into it, that's the time to get into it. And so I came in, I had inventory, just like, I mean, get into it now. Imagine that if you had somebody that was a builder, you wouldn't have to do anything but stick a sign in the yard because yeah. you're going to sell it. And that's what I, that's what I did. I stuck a sign in my dad's uh, houses and the yards and I had a tremendous amount of success until 2008 when we all were suffering yeah. and I had no clue what I was doing. I had no clue how to truly sell real estate or to actually grow in my business and become an entrepreneur. So many years later, here I am to 2021, a broker and owner of a Coldwell Banker franchise here and a number of other ancillary businesses around us. So I was able to survive a few busts and booms and I've learned a few things. And uh, yes, the book, Strike Three, What to Do When the Game is Over But Life Is Not, it's just been released. So Super excited to share and talk about that message. I love it. I love it. And first, first things first, Tom Browning, was that a, a pitcher for the Reds? He was, and he's a hometown hero here in Casper. So you, you, I'm telling you, you know it. You know your uh, stuff, bro. I know you do. A little bit, a little bit anyways. All right, well, enough, enough about that. So I think the, the biggest analogy, and you and I talked a little bit about this off the air, and I was thinking it before we even we met, was, you know, when, when you think about the title of the book, which is, you know, what to do when when the game's over, but life is not, I, I think the first thing, and I, I want to correct this with the audience who's listening, is we're not talking about retirement here, right? right. And especially for real estate, like this totally applies because so many of you listening right now either left another career, didn't know what you wanted to do, ended up in real estate, or hell, I mean, think about it. How many people got their real estate license as a result of COVID? because they got laid off, right? So I think this is a very relevant message. I wanted to plant that seed uh, because I think I, I didn't want people to, to leave us as a result of thinking this is about retirement. It's not. And so, all right. It, it, so it, for you, it had to be very defeating, I imagine, to vacate a dream. Um, and like you said, move back home. And so you you do that, then you 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 come home, you have lucky success, timing success, right? And then you get 2008, what, what kind of happens from there? Yeah, you bet. I mean, so yeah, basically 26 years old, I imagine this. And, and I'm, first of all, let me just kind of back up. You're, you're perfect uh, when you say this, is that so many people within our industry are, they, they've had some type of a setback that probably got them into it, right? Or maybe they had a tragedy, they were fired. You know, I mean, I was looking at statistics and get this, that like just last year, we lost nine and a half million jobs. 55,000 jobs are lost every single day, right? And how many of them are getting into the industry, our industry, right? So they're coming in broken. They're coming in already with a an image of themselves that is already defeated. And for 13 years, that's what it was because I had an external vision of who I was. And when that was taken away, my purpose at that time, which I thought it was, of course, I was broken. And it took me a long time to get over that. It took me a long time to discover 
a greater purpose in what I was supposed to do. So that was a journey. And this book really talks about the principles uh, of what I had to discover within myself in order to find a greater purpose of what I was doing. And one of the reasons why I absolutely love our industry that we're uh, all connected in is that we have every opportunity to control it, right? We have every opportunity to grow in it, right? You know, as a single agent, there really is no ceiling to the success that you can have because as soon as you cap out and you're like, man, I don't have any more bandwidth, I can't do any more closings, guess what? You can grow a team. Right. Or if you get into residential sales and you find figure out like, hey, listen, I want to I want to increase my uh, my commission. I want to increase my average sales price. And I really feel like I want to get into the commercial sector of it. You can do it like nobody is stopping you from doing that. And unfortunately, in so many other industries, you're capped. Right. You, you might have a CEO or you might have somebody that's ahead of you that you there's no way that you can ever get any higher. You can't earn any more money. And being an entrepreneur in our industry, the sky is the limit on your success and you truly can invest in yourself. And so one of the things that I realized that I could do over the last couple of years, especially the last five years, is that I started to invest in myself. And when I started to do that and started to look inwardly, that's when things opened up. That's where not only is our company a real estate company, but now we have property management. Uh, now we have a roofing company. Now we have um, a health and fitness uh, sector of it as well too. And now we have coaching included in that. And then I was also able to write a book because I didn't have a ceiling on who I wanted to become in my life anymore. Yeah. I love it, man. I mean, it's uh, it's very, obviously very inspiring. So, at, so, Again, so once you came out of, of 2008, I'd like to give it some context. Yeah. Where did you go from there? Because obviously everything crashed. And, yeah. and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of give you some forward here. Uh, I, I want to ask you like what you're doing today as well. So, but, but coming out of that, uh, just again, to give it a little bit of context. And the reason I ask this is because I, I kind of know, usually know what the answer is coming and I want the audience to hear it. But I like to hear, you know, I want to hear what your version is, is how did you, how did you build a name for yourself in this industry? Because I think this is something that a lot of agents who are still trying to do that need to hear. Yeah, you bet. So 2008, of course, was devastating. Uh, my wife had just gotten, she, we were pregnant with our second child. We're expecting uh, number two, Brady. And uh, she decided uh, with my support, of course, that uh, she was no longer going to be working. She was an RN. So she had amazing insurance and she had a fantastic salary. Uh, and then, of course, obviously the bust happens at the same time. And here I am going, okay, what are we going to, you know, how are we going to do this? And I literally remember, I remember we lived off of our tax returns. We, we, we had a $10,000 tax return from our, our um, accountant. And we knew that that could get us five months because we were literally just cutting everything. We're down to $2,000 a month. And I also knew that I just needed one closing, just one closing to get us through financially. And I am, you know, I had had some really, really hard conversations with myself about, first of all, am I just a, am I just a failure? Because this is the second time this has happened in my life within recent years. And I came to the conclusion that I had to draw the line in the sand. I said, listen, if, if I'm going to continue in this industry, if I'm going to continue down this road, I've got to go all in. Like I'm going pro in this. 
And, and I think, unfortunately, that one reason why we see so many agents fail, you know, 87% of agents fail within the first three years or five years, depending on, you know, who you talk to, um, is because they're not going all in. They're not fully committed to it. They're just kind of dabbling in it. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to take a couple of years to build my business. I didn't have a couple of years. I had literally a couple of months. Yeah. And through that year, this is how bad it got. Um, I was averaging about 32 to 35 closings typically in my first couple of years. I lost 17 deals. I lost half of my uh, half of my closings that year. And so I had to take ownership. I'm either going this way and I'm getting out of the industry or I'm going to stay committed to this and I'm going all in. And when I committed to it, I went all in. I branched off of the 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 agency that I was with because we were just were not getting fed the uh, the tools to be successful. And so um, back in 2009, a partner and I branched off. We started um, an agency, Coldwell Banker, um, in 2009, and I was fully committed. And, and here's the thing that people don't understand too, is like, I, you know, one of the things in our industry is that there's, there's a thing called burnout that we can all get to. And we know that really, truly successful agents, unfortunately, get into that, fra- that phase. But I, I wasn't, I was so committed that I was going, I was willing to get burned out because I needed to step up and be the husband, the father, the business owner in my family's life. And so I was fully committed. Dude. I was working seven days a week. Obviously, I was in communication with my wife. I was missing events. But our livelihood, like our future was dependent on that. And, and here's the thing is, it was just going to be a chapter in my life, right? Just a chapter in my life. And so I was all in on it. I drew the line in the sand and said, we are going to be successful in this and I'm going to help us get out of this. I'm going to be that part. And I just need you to support me. And my wife was amazing. She went all in on it and she supported us through this entire transition. By 2012, we came out of that. We were successful. We started to grow the company. We literally started with myself and his assistant who became our office manager. And that was it. By 2012, we had 15 agents. I bought my business partner out in 2012, was still trying to figure myself out. I started getting coached. Because I knew like I had a ceiling and I just couldn't get past that. I couldn't get past the mental part of my head that was telling me still that I was probably limited in my success and that I that I had only I'd already failed a couple of times in my life. And and I just didn't also the other thing is I just didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And I wanted more. I wanted to be truly successful in this. I wanted to be a professional just like I was back in my previous career. Yeah. And so I got coached. And and I'll tell you, man, it was hard because my first coach my first coach sucked. Like it was bad and I was not getting any value in it. And I love this phrase. Um, I heard this the other day, this gentleman named um, John Ramsey. You got to look this guy up. He's amazing, amazing. And he talked about the fruits of your branches because if the fruits of your branches are not producing the fruits that you desire, you need to change the people that are helping you with those branches. And I thought it was just such an amazing thing because that's exactly what was going on is the coach that I had, he wasn't helping the fruits that I needed. And so I found a fantastic coach. I was able to get rid of that coach. I searched, found another one and it changed my life. Having the right mentor, having the right coach that has done it, has been there, that is still doing it, that is inspiring and is willing to teach you. That's truly where I started my foundation of success 
And I was able to grow. I went from 2015 to 2000, or 2012 to 2015. We went from 12 agents to 25 agents from 2015 to uh, 2019. We went from uh, 25 agents to 65 agents and opened up another office. And right now we're sitting at about uh, 76 agents with two offices. Fantastic, man. And, and here's the two biggest takeaways and that, that I took from this. Number one, is if you're sitting there right now thinking to yourself, either, hey, you're new to the business, you have still trying to figure it out, you're, you've been in the business a long time and you're struggling, you're not where you want to be, or you just, you've plateaued and you want to get to another level. Listen, there, there is no secret. This is what I knew you, I knew one of your answers was going to be just the grind. It was going to be hard work. There is no magic pill. There is nothing magical that's going to lift you out. You're not going to win the lottery of real estate. It me, it, you know, every every guest I talk to that that has a similar story, it's the same general idea. I worked my ass off. I worked seven days a week. I missed kids' events. When I went on vacation, guess what? I had to do some of the time work. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game, right? And that that was important. But I think I didn't expect you to say I didn't know you're going to say coaching. And so I want to ask you some questions on that because I think that's very important. Most successful people in any industry, not let alone real estate, will tell you it's the most successful people, it's coaching that helped them get to where they are. And it's coaching that helps them continue to evolve. Like they still stay in coaching, right? And so you said that your first coach sucked. So I want you to help the agents out there right now who think their coach sucks to help them identify whether or not their coach really does suck. Yeah, you bet. Well, I, uh, let's just talk about this first and foremost. Secure people know how to ask for help. It's those that are not secure that refuse to ask for help. So it, first and foremost, if you are, if you figure out that you're not asking for help, it's because you're insecure about it. Mm-hmm. And if you truly want to change, if you truly want to get to that next level, or even to just level up in your life, you have to understand that the more secure you are with yourself, the more help that you'll ask in your life. And that is so, so, so key. Um, I mean, here's the thing is that one of the principles I talk about in my book is, is who's sitting at your table. So you've constantly got to be looking at the people that you're allowing to sit at your table. And when you start running your life, like a business, like you are the CEO. So who's your CFO and see, and who's, who's your COO? Who are your board members? Who are the people that you have given authority to in your life? You know, one of the biggest challenges that I see with people is they're not willing to submit to authority in their life because we have these egos, right? We, we think that we know the answers and we know that, hey, listen, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to be successful. And, and, and then unfortunately, what ends up happening is that we start watching all these other people have success and we start having this mindset of scarcity going, well, wait a second, like they're successful and, and they're, just, they're just taking my leads or they're just taking stuff away from me. When it comes to coaching, if you, if you feel like you don't have the right coach, some, some of the questions I would ask you is this, is once again, you know, the fruits that are on your branches, the fruits that are in your tree, the fruits that you're seeing in your life, are they the right fruits in your life? Are they growing you? Are they growing you financially, right? Are they growing you to become this person that you desire to be? There's, there's five foundations that I believe in that we should all be striving for. This is something that we teach with one of our private groups called Kingsman. First of all is faith. Right? Faith on the spiritual side, of course, but faith within yourself. Because if you do not have a foundation of faith about yourself and what you're capable of doing, dude, it doesn't matter what else is going on in your life because your foundation will crack. And we've seen this how many times in really successful people. 
right? We think that they're three-dimensional and they're really only one-dimensional. So faith is so part important. And then of course, those that have been somewhat successful, you understand like you got to get some balance in your life, right? You can grind, which is super great. We've talked about this, but you also have to have some things in your life that are truly important. So we have faith, family, fitness, finance, and future. And they're all super, super important. And they're all tied to each other. So if the coach is not helping you in those areas of your life, if you are not moving forward, if you are not breaking barriers, and if you look back, this is a question that we, I ask all of my clients and even all of our agents as well too, is that when, if you look back and the person that you are today or the person that you were a year ago is not proud of the person you are today, then you aren't changing enough. If the person you were a year ago does not look at who you are right now and wanna give you a high five or wanna go, dude, you are kicking ass, then you're not changing enough and you probably have the wrong coach because we're all should be in that growth mode. We should all be pushing ourselves and we should not be the same person we were last year. I love it, man. I love it. And so when you, uh, and, and you know what, let's be honest though, today versus six years ago or, or even nine years ago, uh, coaching has taken on a whole nother life of its own. Like everybody's a coach, especially nowadays online. Right. So, you know, so as, as, as you, you give those F's, it was, was there five of them? I, yeah, I five, five, five F's. So you got faith, family, fitness, finance, and future. Future. Got it. That's what they should be looking for. But how in this diluted world of coaches, especially in our space, sure. you know, where, how, what, how would you suggest? And I, you know, I guess it's less important to know how you did it because the times are different, were different then than they are now. How do you suggest somebody discover or find that right coach? Because it can be a pro, it can make a profound difference on their life. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously you got to ask questions, you know, look at the body of work. Right. Look at when, when you're interviewing, like this is an interview. This isn't just about them interviewing you. This is about you also interviewing them. So you want to look at, first of all, who are the people who like, who are your case studies? Who have you helped out? Who are the people that you've impacted and their lives are so much better? Uh, and then, of course, obviously you can ask to talk to them. But the other thing is, is you got to look at their life as well, too. Once again, I go back to my first coach. I never asked the questions. I just assumed that they were successful. I just assumed that they had been there. I just, I just assumed that, hey, listen, uh, because you're in this professional space, you've probably owned a business. You've probably recruited. You've probably uh, became very efficient in your financials, right? You probably balanced your life in some way or another, right? None of those things were true. All they did is get certified. All they did was join an organization that I that I respected the head guy, but I wasn't being coached by the head guy. I was being coached by one of the people that he had trained. And unfortunately, when we don't do enough investigation at the beginning of it, we don't know who we're actually truly hiring. I mean, think about this. When, when you go, let's just say that you, um, let's just say you got diagnosed with cancer and, and you went to the first doctor and the first doctor said, Oh man, yeah, that, that's horrible. We got to do this, 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 and this, and we got to do it immediately. And da 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 da. And you're like, whoa. Well, do you know the qualifications? Did you get a second opinion? Did you get any references? Right? 
You most certainly do, right? And an important decision like that, you're going to find out. Well, are they are they qualified? Like, how long have they been doing this? What are the what are the what are the things? What school did they go to? How long have they been? You know, who are the people that they they've helped out through this? What are the recommendations from other people? And then, of course, you get a second opinion on this as well too. Well, we don't do that enough when it comes to truly one of the most important things in our life, which is that mentor or that coach. Yeah. Well, one last question on this, and, then, and I want to move past it, though, is, and I see this because I also have a, we have a very big team in the mortgage business, actually. And, and so we've been, coaching has had a profound impact on my business and, and my partner's businesses. And it's part of it's because of how coachable we are and because we embrace it and we accept it and we're not above it and we know we can always be better, right? But one, one of the biggest objections I hear, and I think a lot of people listening to this can probably relate is that a lot of our LOs or salespeople, and same for realtors, they end up vacating the coaching after you know three to six months usually, and they they blame the coaching like this it just sucks like I'm not getting anything out of it and 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 we all know that they're just not closing a lot of deals they just feel like they can't afford it but we also know that probably the reason why it sucks it's like it's like leads the leads suck no the leads don't suck you suck right. The coaching doesn't suck. You suck. What is your opinion on that? I can say I can be the brash one here, but what, what is your opinion on that? Because I, I feel like there's somebody listening to this right now that's probably thinking, yep, yep, they do suck. Yeah. What would you say to that person to, to politely tell them mm, it's you're not you're not putting anything, any effort into it. You're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. Well, I love this that you brought this up because it directly goes to a principle that we talk about in the book is, is two things. One is that, first of all, you have to understand that you've got to lead yourself first. Okay, you've got, to, you've got to be willing to lead yourself first. So you've got to start building these integrity moments within your life. Well, how do you do that? Well, you stay disciplined to the things that are going to help you become successful. So if you tell your coach, let's just say that you're going to do X, Y, Z, and you don't do X, Y, Z, you have, you have destroyed the integrity within your own self, in your own life. And so now you, you don't even trust yourself at the end of the day. That's what it really is telling is that you don't even have the ability to trust yourself. The other thing that I think is such a key point, and this is not just with coaching, but I think this is so much about life and success in those, those areas of your life is that you've got to be willing to take the 1% back. So when, when you do something and you, let's just say that you give a hundred percent effort, I'm going to tell you right now, it's complete. BS. I don't know if I can cuss on this. I'm going to say BS. You can. Okay. I, I, give you, I give you the authority to. Yes. Awesome. So it's complete bullshit, dude, because here's the thing that happens. So let's just talk, let's just talk coaching for instance, right? So the coach gives you something to do, or you agree with the coach that you're going to do X, Y, Z, right? Well, when you do that, what do you want in return? You want an attaboy or you want them to tell you you did a great job or you want for a certain point, a result from that, right? You want an appointment from it. You want a closing from it. You want financial gain from that, right? The problem with that is that you've only taken 99% responsibility for the thing that you should be taking 100% responsibility for. So this idea of taking the 1% back is the expectations that somebody owes you something for something that you did, mm -hmm. right? So when you call a client and you go, oh man, I'm pouring into you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you and I'm going to do a CMA for you and I'm going to do this and, and they choose not to go with you you've only given 99% if you get pissed off at that person because they chose somebody else. Instead of going, okay, I'm taking full responsibility for that. Where did I fail? Yeah. What did I do wrong here? And you know what? I'm going to call that person. 
and I would dare anybody on this call that said this, listening to this, the next time that you don't get that listing or you don't get that buyer representation, call that person up and just say, hey, really appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. And unfortunately, at this point in time, you want somebody else. I'd love to know what did the other person have or what did, they, what did I not provide for you that I missed out on that I want to get better at so I can provide a great service to somebody mm -hmm. else. That is taking the 1% back. And that's when you will start to truly find happiness and success in your life. I love that. I love that. And, and I, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you an objection because although yeah. I 1 million percent agree with you, I'm thinking from the, the, the mind of the audience, Josh, that is a complete waste of my time. Why would I take the time to call a customer who already didn't hire me? I'm already not getting the business. That's just a waste of my time. Why would I bother calling? What am I possibly going to gain from that? Well, can I tell you a story? Please. So when I was actively selling, I had an opportunity to list a property for a half a million. And in our market at the time, I want to tell you, at our market, our average sales price was $205,000. So this is more than double uh, our average sales price. So two, it was a $500,000 property. I lost out on it. I gave the best presentation. I had a relationship with the people. I told them it was worth $500,000. Maybe we could get to that five fifteen, dollars but I wasn't quite sure. They listed it with another agent for 515,000, sold it within 24 hours. I lost out on a $15,000 commission. Ouch. Okay, so we, we don't equivalent to, to money, by the way. We, we equivalent to like, oh, you lost out on a listing opportunity. No, no, no. Turn it into a commission and then let's see how painful that is for you, mm -hmm. right? So I wanted to grow so bad. I was taking that 1% back. And so I grounded with my humility and, and I called her back. And I said, hey, listen, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. I know that you went with somebody else. Congratulations. I know it's under contract. Listen, I want to grow and I want to be better. Would you please tell me why you chose that other agent? She gave me the best advice I've ever gotten from a client. And it changed how I react to people. She goes this. She goes, listen, you were more qualified. I liked you a lot better. I felt you were going to do a better job for us but we really, really wanted to list it at 515. And I was not convinced that you would sell it at 515 because you didn't believe it was worth that money. Ooh. I'm like, talk about a game changer in my life. From that point on, every time that I had a conversation with a client that wanted to list a little bit higher than I was recommending, guess what I changed in my message? I can't wait to hear Exactly. That point was this. Listen, I'm really going to recommend at $500,000. Maybe we could go to 505. I know you want to go to 515, but here's what I can promise you. If we go to 515, I want to continue to communicate with you. I'm going to let you know how the showings goes, but I'm going to do everything I can to get that thing sold for 515. And I know you want that price. And I want you to know I'm with it with you. And I'm going to do, I'm going to get that price for you. But between the two of us, we're probably going to be down at this 500,000. So don't, you know, so like, I, I would just kind of want to set those expectations, but I will promise you this, I'm going to do everything in my power to get it to 515. I won more listings against more agents, bringing that confidence in and that $15,000 loss turned into thousands of dollars of ROI because I was willing to ask the question and humble myself to that person. Not to mention, you probably will floor some clients 
yeah. with that response that will make them say, A, if they don't sell it with, you know, let's just throw these times out. Let's go back to normal times, right? Yeah. And, and if and when it doesn't go their way with the, current, the agent they hire, guess who they're probably going to come right back to? That's one way it's smart. The other way is you might just floor them with your response because most people, I think their inclination is to be pissed and, and either spout off or say nothing at all. So if you go back and you show that kindness, what are the odds that they're going to come back and be like, I remember that. And now I'm going to use them next time or I'm going to refer somebody to them. Right. I love and that, man. Let me follow up with that because here's the thing. Eight years later, we had an opportunity to sell her house and we did it. Because <laughs> that, we had that, be, relationship. that had to be validating. Oh, without a doubt, dude. Right. And it just, you know, like, and it's hard. It's, it's hard to show humility. It's hard to show grace when you're hurt and you, and you feel betrayed and you just lost that. Right. Well, I will tell you when you can step back from that, take that 100% responsibility, take the 1% back and truly grow from that experience. It's amazing how it changes your outlook on life. And once again, that's just, just an example in the professional side of it. What would happen when you did it on the personal side? right? In your relationships with your spouse or with your children. This is what that book talks about is, is and, and we really talk deep into this is how do you, how do you take that 1% back so you can live a life on fire and you're truly happy with where you're at, no matter where you're at in your life. Yeah. Well, it's, and you know what, this doesn't just apply to losing a listing. This applies to colleagues in the business. This applies, you know, this applies literally, like you said, to your spouse, to your kids, to you name it, man. I mean, it's, it's almost like, it's a gratitude thing. And it's, um, I think you would probably agree and say that, you know, coming from that place of contribution, which is something that, that that's what LabCo agents is built upon. If more agents could understand that, maybe not understand it so much as execute it, because I think it's, it's such a longer game. Yeah. Like it's not a quick ROI. It takes time. But once it sustains and once you do it long enough, all of a sudden you 10x, right? You know this. I'm sure, I'm sure you've been there probably you probably more than 10x. So, dude, I love that, man. That's that's super powerful. So, so let me ask you another question. Just go completely off base here because we've, we've, we've stuck down this, the same circles here. You, you, you talked a little bit about like, at least I thought you were going to talk about like, surrounding yourself with the right people you know the, the the line is you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with what kind of advice would you give an agent on that we, we talk about that from time to time and i haven't brought that up with a guest in a while what is your take on that just general philosophy for an agent who may not be as familiar with it yeah no doubt about it well once again going back to that principle of who's sitting at your board table um you know you've got to be truly intentional especially like i mean if you want to do big things in your life like if you just don't want to be average and and, and i love this definition of average uh, uh if you know trevor mohad he's got an amazing book called it takes what it takes and in 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 when it comes to average it says that average is either the best of the worst or the worst of the best and I'm like, I don't ever want to be average in my life. And I hope nobody wants to be average in their life because you're either going to become either the best of the worst or the worst of the best. And what a horrible place to be at any of that, right? Yeah. And so if you don't want to be average, it means that you've got to surround yourself with people that aren't average. Now, can you be friends with them? Absolutely. Can you, can you inspire them? With no doubt about it, right? But who's helping you level up in your life? And it is so key. If you want to have breakthroughs, uh, if you want to have those financial gains in your life that we all, I mean, we all want to have 
uh, wealth in our life. We, wanna, we, wanna, we all want to create that wealth in our life, right? Well, who are the people that you are aligning yourself with that are wealthy, yeah. right? Who are the people that are going to open up opportunities and doors for you? And, and how intentional are you doing with that? You know, uh, and I think it's easy for people to say, oh, well, you know, Josh, you've been in this industry for so long. And like, I, come at from a t- I come from a town of 65,000 people. Just like most people have 65,000 people in their neighborhood that are on this, uh, on this podcast that are listening to this, right? And so what I had to do is I had to be tremendously intentional with what I thought success meant in my life. What does that look like? So if I know that success looks like X, Y, Z, who are the people that exemplify X? Who are the people that exemplify Y and Z? And then from there, after you've been able to Bring them into your life. Ask them for coffee. Um, here's the great thing about it is those that are true mentors, those that are true leaders, they want to pour into you, Yeah. right? They, they want to give back, right? Now, here's the thing I would stay away from is going, it'd be like me calling you, Jeff, and saying, hey, dude, I love what you're doing. Hey, would you mentor me? And you're going, oh, man, dude, like, I am so freaking busy. But if I said, hey, Jeff, dude, I love what you guys are doing. And man, I would just love, would you be okay with just can I just send you an email once a month and with a couple questions about some things that are going on that I really feel like you've got some expertise in. And I would just, you know, maybe we can even jump on a zoom call at your convenience. Would you be open to that? Hell yeah, you would. You would make time for somebody that was interested because they recognize something great within you. And so that's a simple way to get into people with, with people that you've identified. The, The other thing is it goes back to this idea of coaching or mentoring is that, you have to be willing to pay to play, right? You have to be willing to invest in yourself financially because nobody else is going to do that, right? When you want to level up, when you really truly want to get to another level in your life, there are amazing people out there, but their time is worth something. And so that's that, like that, that's that change of going, hey, listen, I want you to pour into me and I'm willing to financially contribute to the success in your life. And that has been, I will tell you, when I realized that, when I realized that the, the more that I was willing to invest in myself financially because of the people that I wanted to surround myself with, that opened up doors that I never would have been able to walk through before connections with other people that I never would have established before. And it has truly helped me catapult myself to having conversations that are so much more meaningful and deeper and opening those opportunities of financial success and wealth and, and, and a life that I'm super excited to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think for some, it's hard to quantify this because I I know, I know the feeling because I've been, I, I stumbled upon those rooms and, you know, stumbled upon figuring out how to get accepted in those rooms. And one of the other things you didn't mention was, is what you said was, was, was brilliant. The other thing is to figure out how you can bring those successful people value. If you can figure out a way to bring them value, then they don't, they want you to stay around. And that's one way that I've been able to figure that out and be accepted into rooms that I wouldn't normally otherwise be accepted into. And, uh, and, and I love what you said too, because, I would say now more than ever, most of us have that that limited belief mindset that, okay, that circle, it's got to be in my hometown. But COVID has changed that. Like there is no boundary anymore. And so I think you would agree with me. Don't be afraid to ask. You and I are probably at a similar level in the sense that we're now less 
seeking the questions because we're really well connected. We're getting the questions and it feels good. Like, I don't mind. I'll always reply to somebody. Yeah, it might be two days later because I'm busy, but like, you're not bothering me. And I think that, I think you can probably validate this for the audience. There's, there, you have, there's no harm in asking. So if you see somebody that's like, man, I would love to just ask them, just go ask, type a message, DM them, whatever. What's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no, or they're going to just never reply. So what? Try somebody else, right? What would you say to that? And then and we'll start start to wrap up. Yeah, no, I mean, of course, I, I think that the true leaders, the really good ones, the authentic ones, they realize that they have an obligation to pour into that next generation of leaders. And they feel like it's a compliment to them. You know, I love it right now. I, you know, when I got out of baseball, the game did so much for me. Yes, I was bitter. I, yes, I was heartbroken from it. Yes, I felt like the game turned its back on me. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, no, the game gave me everything that I am today. And, and I can, you know, once again, going back to like a Tony Robbins quote of like, if life is not, life is not happening uh, to you, it's, it's happening for you. When you take that perspective, you can realize that like all of these things that have happened to me, now I want to put them back into the world. I want to, I want, I owe the, the world this. So when I came back from baseball, I started to do coaching lessons because I wanted the next generation of kids to have the experience that I had. I wanted them to be able to get to that level of success that they desired. And so I felt a duty to give back. It's the same thing now in our business, in our industry. For those of us that have had success, that continue to rise above and continue to push ourselves, we believe that we have an obligation. We we know, I mean, here's the thing is when you talk to people within our industry that have been along for a long time, we know that we have disruption after disruption that is starting to trying to tear us apart, right? For those true leaders within our industry, they know that they have a duty to pour back into agents and clients and brokers and owners and coaches to make sure that we are providing the best so that they can go and provide the best to their clients, which is our communities, right? And so what an awesome opportunity that we have to take our experiences and share that with people and help them live a true life of exceptional impact. I love it, man. I love it. It's so, so true. And this, and this, this whole conversation has gone down a path that I didn't see coming, but it's, <laughs> this, this has been great, man. It's been a great, been very powerful. So let's talk about the book for a minute yeah. uh, because I want to give that some love. You're wearing it on your shirt, which I am a I am a, a, a junkie and a whore for hats and T-shirts. I'm just going to throw that out there. I wear them. I'm on social media a lot. So, you know, free publicity. Just just let you know. Tell us about the book. Tell us a little bit more about the book that uh, that would make our audience want to go find it. And where can they find it? Yeah, appreciate that, brother. First of all, you can go find it at joshkalinowski.com or you can go to Amazon and get it. You go to my website, you can get it for free plus shipping. And then also we got a couple other things in there that are going to help you. Uh, find the lion's mindset, build the ultimate team around you. Uh, and another one in there too, that I'm going to keep secret because you're going to have to do a little investigating there. So, uh, but of course you can get it on Amazon and all the other bookstore outlets, Barnes and Noble and such. I think the reason why you want to buy this book is if you are in a point of your life where maybe you just haven't gotten over this story that you've convinced yourself that maybe you aren't worthy for success or, or maybe you, you, you keep telling yourself a version of a past thing that has happened to you and you you still go back to that. And, and when you want that breakthrough, you, you sabotage yourself to get to that next level. And you're just not able to figure out what the hell is going on and why can't I do it? This book will take you on a journey 
my journey to a certain point, but it's really going to tell you, it's going to give you the tools, it's going to give you principles, it's going to give you disciplines to allow you to go through the process of digging deep into those stories, how to take ownership of it, how to get rid of it and start telling yourself a new story, but then also the tools that are going to take for you to be successful in anything that you want in life, whether it is those five foundational pieces, wherever you're at, there's probably an area right now that you're failing in or that you are not breaking through to that next level. This book is going to help you achieve that success so that you can look back a year from now and go, damn, I'm proud of myself. It's awesome, man. So and did you say strike3book.com? Did I hear you say that? So you can actually just go to Josh Kalinowski. Go to, so, okay. Yeah, you, you yeah, if you put that in there, you can find me on all the social media platforms as well, too. I spent a tremendous amount of time on Facebook and uh, uh, and LinkedIn, by the way. Uh, Instagram and their 90 uh, their ninety second video, or their minutes videos kills me because I can't do anything under a minute, in a minute, brother. Oh, no, so, you can do IGTV, my friend. IGTV, well, you know limits. I, I know, dude, but I've got, I've got a great audience in those two platforms right there that I'm just, uh, that I really love. So I love it, man. I love, you're talking to a social media savant, so I'm everywhere, but uh, I love it. So Facebook and LinkedIn, go find Josh there, go to joshkalinowski.com. Let me spell that J O S H. That's just what it is. K A L I N O W S K I.com. Or just do what I did and go Google the baseball guy. And look at all these baby face pictures of them uh, back in the Colorado Rockies days. I love it, man. Crazy, dude. Back before I could even think about growing a beard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Well, I tell you what, you, you still look very young. So, I mean, I'm jealous because we're the same age and I've got shit tons of grays. So, um, dude, I appreciate you being on today. This has been an awesome conversation. I appreciate you. I look forward to staying in touch uh, to yeah. our Lab Coats audience. You know, we're going to stay in touch with Josh, hopefully bring him to some events. And so yep. you can meet the, the, the man behind it. And maybe we can even uh, play some catch or something. I don't know. Love it, dude. <laughs> I, got, I still got my glove. I got my, I got my left-handed catcher's glove. I got two boys that play. So uh, we'll, you, can, you can throw me a fastball, man. Let's go do it, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be hurting your hand. I love it, man. <laughs> Josh, I appreciate you. And uh, go check him out again, joshkalinowski.com. The book, Strike Three. Uh, good stuff. Facebook, LinkedIn. Thank you again, Josh, for being on. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms, and best practices. Join Street Text at streettext.com. Agents Podcast.